Hello, Hello. everyone. <laughs> Welcome to episode 16 of In My Body Podcast. My name is Yokwen. And my name is Tammy. And we're very happy that you're still with us, 16 episodes on. How are you today, Tammy? I had a great day today. Tell us about your great day. What makes a great day? Because I have some space for myself today. Mm. Yeah, and I took a bus about an hour and a half ride to York's place. Mm. So I sat at the upper deck, got to see a lot of trees moving along the window. It was really relaxing. It was all green. Yeah, I thought it was really good for my eyes and I was also trying to be aware of my breath. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a really beautiful one and a half one and a half hours. Yeah. Just being with yourself and feeling the space and taking in the colours and the sights mm. on the bus. I'm glad I made that decision because I was contemplating whether to take the train mm. or the bus and mm. I thought Okay, let's go with the flow, whatever comes first. And then the bus came first. Hmm. So, yeah. How about you, Yokes? How's your day? Um, I had a really nourishing day. I had a client session in the morning. So my body-based healing session. And today, both myself and my client, we witnessed a, a very old story that was embedded and the story finally had space to come out. Um, and so it was just a very touching moment being able to be a part of that witness of that story with um, the client. And if you are the client and you're listening in, you know what I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was a very nourishing morning for me. Yeah, as we speak, uh, a word came to my to my mind and it was space mm. yeah um, I don't know I, I just felt that all of us need some space every now and then yeah whether is it to ourselves or with another person mm. and yeah. today in our space <laughs> we have another person with us another guest yes hello <laughs> <laughs> hi Shihui hello yo hello Tammy Welcome to Studio Soma Yoke. Yes, welcome to this very welcoming space with you two ladies. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to come onto our show um, and also agreeing to share parts of your life and your journey with us. I think for every, I mean, ever since we started this podcast, uh, most of the guests that we have invited over, they they do some form of uh, body work or some form of healing when it comes to supporting trauma, right? And I think Shi Hui um, is quite a special guest because I think she's here. Today we're going to hear from her really just about parts of her life that she's open to share with us as well as uh, parts of her healing journey that she's um, open and generous generously uh, wanting to share it with our listeners. So thank you so much, Shi Hui, for Yay. <laughs> agreeing to come. Shi Hui, do you listen to our podcast? Yes, I'm a fan. <laughs> I feel like I've been invited on a radio show 
that I've been admiring from a distance for a long time, so that makes me happy. Uh, what do you what do you what do you enjoy about this show? <laughs> mm, I think in general we don't give people the space to talk about what is troubling them. Mm. I think maybe this is a little bit peculiar to Singaporean society or maybe even other modern fast-paced cities around the world Mm. but when someone is sharing a difficult moment or a difficult experience uh, there is a tendency to want to solve it or Mm. to fix it Mm. and um, there is usually less space um, or even maybe less awareness on what can I do just to be with this person in the moment and in the past episodes, I think everybody that has come on the show has spoken about what it means to be in kind witness to first yourself and then to the people around you and how doing that um, actually heals the person. So wow. you don't come in to fix, but the loving presence brings the person closer towards healing as opposed to, hey, you know, I come here and fix the problem, okay? I ask you 500 questions, then I troubleshoot with you. Mm. I think that's an approach that um, we are thought to think is useful, but in some situations could be very unhelpful. Mm. Wow, thank you so much eh, for summarizing many of our episodes for us. <laughs> See, I'm a real fan. <laughs> Nay, I pay attention. <laughs> I can feel so much love and joy in this space now. <laughs> is there anything you specifically remember, like something um, that is quite striking or left a deep impression in you? I think I was listening to Diana's episode. Mm. And in Diana's episode, I think there was a great curiosity around, so somatic therapy is what, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, and somatic therapy sounds very big and very Mm. far away. Mm. But I think what she did was to explain it uh, without the technical or professional jargon. Mm. And I think she also explained it in a way that helped people understand that you don't have to be uh, in a professional therapy, uh, professional client relationship to enjoy the therapeutic effects of somatic therapy but she offered some very simple practices that the listeners could try at home and experience oh what does it feel like to give myself um, some loving attention and how that can be very helpful for you I wanted to shout out to Diana yeah hi Diana if you're listening in we're still missing you <laughs> we hope to have you back for another episode since you have I think your, your sharing has really benefited a lot of people. Mm. I wonder, um, uh, as you know, you hear Diana's sharing about somatic therapy and you said that her little practices help. Um, do you notice any shifts within you when you try out the little practices? Mm, I think there are many layers to this. Uh, firstly, there is, to both of you, I think, the, the thought or the practice of observing yourself and your body comes quite naturally as part of your practice. Mm. Um, but perhaps to many of the listeners, um, paying attention to your own body could sound very foreign. Mm. What is that? Yeah. Pay attention to my body is what? Is it here mm. got a bruise? Mm. Is it my face today got pimple? 
<laughs> what is it me right pay attention to your body so um i think the the whole concept of paying attention to your body and that can be very simple by um starting with how am i sitting am i comfortable do i feel supported how am i standing do i feel tense am i locked up do i feel tight do i feel small and crunched up or do i feel that i can occupy the space and stand with um dignity and feel comfortable and then of course you know what many mindfulness practitioners often talk about do you pay attention to your own breathing are you breathing sufficiently are you breathing deeply are you breathing in a way that allows your body um to become more relaxed so certainly the practices help because in singapore if you are in a very busy work culture or if even if you're a student uh, school life can be really busy sometimes you find yourself becoming very tired and very stressed and and even doing these small practices can help to make you feel better just for that short 5 minutes and the more you practice the more you realize that oh you know i can help myself feel better at any given time what are you noticing about your sitting shape at this moment mm okay i am noticing that my seat bones are uh, in contact with the cushion mm. and it is very firmly supported by the floor mm. i'm noticing that uh because i'm in studio soma yoga and in the presence <laughs> of two yoga practitioners i feel a tendency to straighten my spine mm. so i i think i'm naturally noticing that sometimes it's also about the environment that we put ourselves in if we are in maybe an office environment and everybody is crouched over their laptop then when you look around you don't feel that oh this position or this posture is not so good for me but if you put yourself in a different environment and you notice oh people are holding their bodies in a different shape mm. and you might be curious enough to think about oh okay so if i hold my body in this different shape what would it feel like for me or what would it do for me mm. actually you don't need to hold yourself in an upright shape If you look at us now, we are slouching. Yeah. <laughs> Relax, relaxed. I think that's the first part, right? The whole concept of paying attention to your body. I think the second thing um is really uh you know, Tammy, when you said that that I don't have to always hold myself in a straight shape. It made me think about when we pay attention to our body, then do we judge it? Do we criticize it? Or do we just notice like oh okay my body is in this shape because it needs to be it likes to be in this shape in this moment and there is not a right shape all the time but it is about what i'm feeling comfortable with mm-hmm. yeah thank you thank you for sharing and um an invitation to all our listeners right now wherever you are maybe you're listening to this as you're walking maybe you are sitting down or perhaps you're lying down uh, whatever shape you might be in perhaps take this moment to notice how you are holding yourself how your body is holding yourself you know do you notice any connection of parts of your body with the ground or perhaps with the furniture that you are sitting on or lying down on maybe you might sense into your breath like what Shihui mentioned and how might your breath be doing at this present moment
Oh, as you are saying that, right? I thought of something that my uh, one of the teachers in a yoga class said, mm. and I think it really changed my mind mm. because in that particular class, she was saying, "Okay, pay attention to your breathing," and then I noticed that my breathing was very shallow, and immediately I felt pisy. Like, oh no, I'm in a yoga class. Must breathe deeply. Breathe like expand my rib cage. <laughs> but the next thing that she said was, "Pay attention to your breath, but not to change it. Just give yourself some loving attention in the moment." And it made me think, "Wow, I don't pay attention to my body for the sole purpose of changing it or to make it better." But I can pay attention to my body just to notice what is happening for me right now, and sometimes when we pay attention, it makes us want to change. But sometimes even just that kind attention is enough. Thank you for that invitation to our listeners. You know, when you are, when you notice something wherever you are now within yourself, are you?、Um, Also holding an expectation towards how your body should be, how your breath should be. Are you holding any judgment towards it? And、um, whether there is an opportunity to not change,、uh, not manipulate,、uh, not make any difference, but simply sitting with your body in loving attention, loving kind attention. I love that phrase, loving kind attention.、Yeah. As as we were speaking, I just have some images that came to my mind.、Um, I think we tend to be really goal oriented. So yeah, in Singapore, right?、Totally. Super super. Yeah. So in our space, I also wonder, like, if we have an outline of our body in our mind, how much space do we have between ourselves and our environment? And what is in that space? So when I think of goal oriented, I, I think of a lot of access, like a lot of targets that I I need to meet and where I want to be. And when we, and when、uh, Shuhei started, um, sharing about all the questions that she have in her mind to, uh, that makes me want to be rather than want to think, I, the, the outline of my body and that space. To my environment starts to enlarge,、mm. and all those excess started to disappear. And、um, when we talk about loving kindness, I had that image of a rainbow in my mind, filling up that space between myself and my environment.、Mm. So this is kind of、wow. like the image that I have when, like a summary of of what you you said. Wow. At this moment, I wonder, Shuhei, if you can introduce a little bit about yourself to our listeners, and talking about being goal-oriented, Tammy, <laughs> and it is true, you know, in Singapore in particular, we're so goal-oriented. I find that a lot of times when we meet new people and we are asked to introduce ourselves, the first thing we do is to share what we do for work,、mm, and it's、yeah. uh, like I am a. And then whatever you fill in the blanks, right? That would be your occupation,、mm. and it's almost instinctive that we do that when we meet new people. So I want to be very 
intentional in this question as we invite you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Feel free to share who you are as a human, uh, you know, whatever you like us to know about who you are. And perhaps, you know, what could be still one of the identity you like to share with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Wow, that's like a really big question. <laughs> mm. It's okay, my mind drew a blank just now. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you ask me who I am as a human being, um, it made me think about how we came to know each other. Mm. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because how we are as people is oftentimes in relationship, not just to ourselves, but also to the people around us. Oh, that is so true. And mm. the people that we are today is oftentimes a result of the different relationships and the different experiences that we have collected over the entire duration of our lives. So I think who I am right now um, is someone who really appreciates the beauty of friendships. Wow. Um, right. <laughs> wow, first time here someone introducing themselves like that. Okay, it's, it's really beautiful. Yeah, because in the past few months, um, I think I have just been asking myself, oh no, outside of my work identity, who am I really? Do I have um, anything else outside of my work identity? And that's quite scary, right? Uh, we could go on autopilot and just introduce myself like, okay, I work as this, this, this. Yes. I am blah, blah, blah. And I think that's very comfortable. But at the same time, we forget that we are also somebody else's friend. We could be a family member. We could be somebody who loves nature. And I think it begets the question, why do we not feel proud to introduce ourselves that way? Mm. So, um, I think the other thing that I would like to share is that um, I'm someone that is now um, a full-time student and when people say like huh, full-time student is what yeah you full-grown adult already leh, full-time student i feel like right now um i'm a student of life wow uh, I, I i kind of sense that coming <laughs> is it okay i i put on the professional hat i am a student of identity oriented psychotrauma therapy Okay, okay, I bring my I feel insecure now. <laughs> Better bring the word identity back. But funny, right? Why is it that when we move into insecurity and awkwardness, the work identity seems like such a comforting space yeah. to hide inside? Yeah. Yeah. But eh, why why you saw that coming? No, no, I mean like the student of life. I, I don't know, it was just my intuition that you were going to share that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I also find it a bit surprising. Why I never trot out the the professional <laughs> practice. Mm. But I think in helping listeners to have some expectation of what we could be talking about a little bit more of is um, my first foundational training is as an engineer. Uh, so I tend to think in a way that is quite uh, structured. But over the course of, um, I think, wow. <gasps> nearly 17 years of working. Hey, now you can go and reverse engineer my age, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think I've moved into other people development spaces. 
So I, I guess people development is something that uh, is quite recognizable. And then you might be thinking, oh, what is that? You know, um, I have been a student of ontological coaching since 2017. And ontological coaching is the study of um, people, you know, how our emotions are, how our bodies are, what is the language that we use, and what are the habits that we live, and whether these habits um, are in support of our thriving or not. But uh, more recently, since 2019, I've been a student of um, a therapeutic practice called the Identity-Oriented Psychodrama Therapy. Wow, it's a mouthful. Mm. And it's been a really enriching experience. Mm. Mm. So that's also commonly known as IOPT? Mm. Mm. Okay. We'd love to hear you tell us more about this modality of healing. Uh, you mentioned you are a student of life, right? That's who you are as a person. So what has life taught you so far? Whoa. Wow. I think maybe in the last month, um, what life has taught me is that where I pay my attention, um, whatever it is becomes clearer and larger. And it can sound very abstract. But um, for example, I think um, there was a there was a significant significant period of time where I I was um, thinking about my work identity, and in thinking about my work identity, the challenges came up, the the anxieties came up, and I think the more I paid attention to the anxieties, the larger the anxieties became. But um, I also began to reach out to friends, you know, and ask them. I think I'm in not a very good space right now and I would love some perspective and to invite their perspective of uh, what does it mean then to you know, reimagine my work identity. Mm. Mm. And although most of the meetups come from uh, the space of making sort of like a semi-professional request, you know, where do you think I could be going with the work thing? But um, what I noticed in all of these catch-ups was that firstly, the people were willing to make time for me because they cared about me, right? And I think it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. Do we have the supportive relationships in our life? Um, and I think the, the other thing that I learned was that oftentimes we see ourselves in the primary context of work. But what happens if we switch it around and put our primary context elsewhere? So in, in this life, you know, besides this job and these other professional milestones then if we flip it around then how how does that increase the possibilities that we have in looking at ourselves and in figuring out who we are flipping around to what flipping around to oh like you say introduce yourself as a human being ah okay. yeah we are human being not human doing yeah i think something both of you have shared it's like getting clearer and clearer, like, why are we placing such a huge emphasis on our work identity? Like, I'm very curious where that came from. I don't know. I mean, I don't have any answers now. It's just interesting that this keeps coming up in the last few minutes or so. Mm. And I'm also curious how you managed to kind of pull yourself away from the work identity to other 
things like your relationship I think sometimes when we are in work and then we want to do well we are goal oriented we might lose ourselves in it true and it might take something or someone to pull us out of it so I was wondering in your experience uh, what helped you or what spurred you to want to shift away from your work identity hmm um so sharing as a cautionary tale like you know dear children please do not be like this um last year um auntie shihui is here to tell you don't be like this don't be like this okay <laughs> okay so i think the last three years in um the work front has been very hectic very intense and very stressful and it i think it could be the same for many of the listeners out there mm. and um the super short version of this is that um, in 2021, work was particularly stressful with a lot of um, unprecedented events and crisis and challenge. And I was not paying a lot of attention to my own body, but I was just uh, trying to keep up with the work, um, trying to make sure that you know we reach all our goals and targets as an organization. And I, uh, I became very ill and I found out about my diagnosis in June. And funnily enough, uh, the condition was serious enough such that uh, we could go for surgery the very next day if um, I was, emotion- as my doctor put it, emotionally prepared to do so. In other words, very urgent. Lah, very huh? urgent. <laughs> because COVID, ah, so hospitals will actively discourage surgery. Oh, especially COVID. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they would be they were trying to postpone surgeries as much as they can but for them to tell you we can go for it tomorrow if you are prepared must mean that it was really very lah. Uh, it was quite urgent lah. Mm. yeah and I was funnily enough looking at all the work commitments that we had and I told my doctor it cannot let cannot operate until October what are our other options until October and um, from the time of finding out until October, I was managing the condition with medication and still keeping up a very punishing work schedule. Uh, so I did uh, go for the surgery in October and had a month of hospital leave and came back to work again. Um, and the schedule was quite intense as well. And very quickly, within three weeks, I had a more severe relapse. And I think that was a very sobering wake-up call. So, Tammy, you mentioned sometimes what will pull us out. Sometimes it takes a crisis. And uh, my... <laughs> and in particular, I guess, a health crisis. Yes. And I guess it is my hope for everybody who is listening in to make a little bit more space to pay attention to yourself and how you are feeling and don't have yourself come to a big crisis point before you realise, oh dear, you know, I'm actually not very aware of what is going on in my body. Yeah.
you open up this space um, sharing with us and thank you for sharing with us about what happened with you and your body in relation to work as you are sharing this experience now in 2022 what do you think was your relationship with your body like back in 2021 before and right after you found out about the diagnosis so what was your relationship with your body before the diagnosis came out before you fell ill perhaps even what do you notice was your relationship with your body right after you got the diagnosis and the doctor telling you it's really serious and if you're ready we should actually go for surgery tomorrow mm. i think before the diagnosis i had maybe little to no relationship with my body i saw my and it makes me sad to say this now but it almost felt as if my body is a vehicle to carry me through all the work mm. objectives mm. oh and i no i'm suddenly realizing that i was meant to go for my doctor's appointment in june mm. but i only made it to the doctor's appointment in august because i kept postponing it mm. so i found out about the condition in august hmm and after i got my diagnosis i think i immediately felt a lot of fear um and i also felt a lot of sadness because something my doctor asked me really gave me pause she said uh, you know what we can see in the scans is quite uh is is a condition that does not develop overnight Mm. You know, in all these months, did you feel any discomfort? Mm. Did you feel any pain? Did you notice? And I suddenly realized that oh, even if my body had been giving me signals of pain and discomfort, I had not paid attention to it. Mm. And I think um, that was very sobering, because if I'm not paying attention to myself, then where have I put my attention? Is the next question that comes up. And after that, um, when I did begin to pay more attention to what's happening in my body, um, I noticed first not a very kind voice, because it was, "Hey, why are you so tired? Like, hey, why today the work performance not so good?" And I think over the course of um, addressing the health condition, the voice gradually became kinder. I think what I'm noticing now in 2022 is that when I feel some discomfort, I don't go like, "Eh, why you feel discomfort?" But it's more of a, "Oh God, discomfort ah, let's, um, let's be with it for a while and not try to fix it right away." But what could this discomfort be trying to tell me? So what happened after that? Ah, okay. What happened after that was um. So in November when I had the relapse, um. The doctor explained to me that surgery within the next six months is not a viable option because it's too traumatizing for the body again. And she asked me to think. She didn't first talk to me about treatment options, but she asked me to have a think about my life priorities and speak with uh, speak with my partner, and then we can discuss the treatment options. So, being very goal oriented, I think. <laughs> My first reaction was, "Can I tong until the end of the financial year, thirty <laughs> first March, twenty twenty two? Close out the projects, be a responsible teammate, 
and it sounds like you're married to your job. Scary leh. <laughs> I don't know how many of us can relate to this, you know, how much importance we give to our work and our professional lives. Mm. Um, and I think my husband was quite horrified. Uh, he was asking, uh, did we go to the same doctor's appointment? Because ah? <laughs> I think I was also sitting there when she explained the situation, you know. And he said to me, okay, you go and talk to three other friends, okay. Please talk to three sensible human beings. <laughs> and when I asked everyone, hey, how about I try to manage my condition until 31st March, end of FY, you know, close out the projects. All of them were very shocked. And in different versions of essentially the same thing, uh, there is no shame in prioritizing yourself and taking care of your health. Just curious, when they shared there, how did it land in your body? There is no shame in prioritizing your health over your work. I think I felt some degree of disbelief. Mm. Mm. Uh, I felt some. I felt myself pushing back against yeah. that, mm. and mm. it took a while for me to finally be able to make a very conscious choice that I did indeed want to prioritize my health. Um, I do indeed have some feelings of shame and guilt around it, but I cannot snap my fingers and make them go away, but I will have to work through them somehow. And I think more importantly, not to see the shame and guilt, or rather my emotions as something that are bad, like, oh, because shame and guilt are bad emotions, but to see the shame and guilt as information to let me know, oh, you know, what are my values and beliefs around this? And how do I clarify these values and beliefs such that they would be in support to me? Um, so as you were describing your relationship with your body over time, I do feel like there's a push and pull happening along the way. And what helped you arrive to this space today with yourself? Ooh, wow. There are many modalities. Oh, jialat, jargon. Okay, there are many um, ways. There are many ways. There are, like I mentioned earlier, I've been learning IOPT since 2019. And wow, okay, let me try to explain it in a very... Please ask me questions if it doesn't sound intuitive. Okay, or if it doesn't sound clear. I think the fundamental basis of uh, IOPT is that um, all of us are made up of our healthy self and in this healthy self, we can make good decisions for ourselves, for the people around us, we love and prioritize ourselves and we make good choices that support a, a meaningful and well-lived life. There is also a part of ourself uh, that has been traumatized and this trauma doesn't have to be a big capital T of car accident, plane crash, but it could be uh, trauma that's accumulated uh, over everyday events, um, from things that happen with the people around us. And in trauma, um, I think we, we see it as a very overwhelming event that creates so much danger for us that we really do believe that we could die or some part of us could die. And the traumatized part of ourselves um, could be in overwhelm, it could be in fight, flight or freeze, and that is a part of ourselves that could get triggered, you know, when other things that happen in our everyday lives sort of trigger unconsciously that, that uh, traumatic event that we had experienced in the past. 
So our healthy cells, our traumatized cells, and there is also a part of ourselves called the survival self. And the survival self are actions or habits that you have had that had allowed you to survive the traumatic events. So to some extent, that survival self was healthy because it got you out of that extreme danger. But in everyday life, these habits and behaviors may not be so good for you anymore. And when we are acting from our survival selves, it's usually to protect ourselves against danger and harm. But it could um, sometimes cause hurt to ourselves and also to other people. So as we are learning to make um, more... Um, I think as we are learning to see the different parts of ourselves more and more clearly, it then gives us the ability to choose more and more to act from the space of our healthy self. So not to say that our survival cells and our traumatized cells are bad. I mean, that, that is a part of us and life happens. So, but the clarity to be able to see when we are acting from what context you know, gives us a lot of support to choose better and differently. Tell us a little bit about your journey knowing your healthy self, your traumatized self, and your survival self. Mm. I think when I... Because we were talking about the doctor's diagnosis, ma, mm. I think that's a great example. Okay. So when I turned to my husband and asked him, hey, can I last until the end of the financial year? I think that was my survival self. Because um, in all of the family crises and professional challenges, what has usually gotten me through is incredible resilience and, and, uh, and also the ability to keep tong, tong, to persevere, to persist, right? And in this case, the survival habit is to keep working harder and harder. Mm-hmm. But um, working harder and harder at a job does not help me to take care of my health, mm-hmm. Right? So the healthier part of me decided to listen to my husband's advice to talk to three sensible friends that I trust. Mm. And when the three different people from three social circles, three different parts of my life all gave me very similar responses. Hey, please lah, huh? If you, <laughs> if you die, your organization lose employee. If you die, I lose a friend, your husband lose a wife, you know. Have some perspective, please. And I think... The healthy self was able to hear that. Yeah. Actually, I like it that you have shared with us that we have so many parts to one person. Sometimes we get too attached to one part of us. Yeah. So when you speak, I started thinking about myself as well. Mm. What are the self that are in me? And how myself are responding to each other and to mm, to situations yeah it, yeah. it expanded mm. my my view or my perspective whatever it is yeah. it, it got me reflecting too because I, I feel that for me uh, one of the biggest work I'm doing on myself this season is befriending my traumatized and survival self when I'm in a relationship Mm. and I think I mentioned this in earlier episodes too about how um, my partner triggers parts of my traumatized self and my survival self and 
this just happened the other evening where uh, something that he said and he said it in the most loving and kind way and yet the whatever he was saying the content lah, or, or just me knowing that it is a confrontation of sorts mm. immediately triggered my traumatized and survival self where my traumatized self was uh, brought back to moments in my past specifically in my childhood where confrontations are just really very scary mm. and I guess to my little inner child you know it was a, a matter of uh, me being abandoned by my family and, and so that came out and my survival self is definitely a free state and and it just came out so quickly you know and I could recognize it instantly now because I've been working on paying attention to it and like I said, even though like my rational mind is very aware that my partner is trying his best to, to carry out this confrontation in the most loving and kind way that he can, I just completely shut down and I was staring at one a corner of the wall and I, I didn't even look at him. And I think that triggered him because he felt that he wasn't acknowledged. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, that evening, both our traumatized and survival selves were confronting each other. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and, and I think it was uh, the next day, the next morning, it was interesting because for, for whatever reason, like maybe it's, it's the work that I've been doing on myself and also the space that we gave each other like just that night of rest, the next morning, I could finally look at him again. And when I look at him, my healthy self came out and, and shared about the whole process of me entering into freeze and what was mm. that like for me and how I tried my best to get out, but I simply couldn't. Mm. And I acknowledged like he was trying his best, um, even though you know it, my, my shutdown response triggered him. He just gave me that space um, to, you know, take a break and not talk about it uh, mm. until the morning. And and I think when my healthy self came out, you know, it, it I felt myself full of abundance again and, and having that space to hold both our traumatized and survival selves there <laughs> and, and, mm. and, you know, not having to try and fix things or what, just, just allowing them to be there. And when I came into that, that um, or rather when my healthy self came out, I think I could see the difference in him. Mm. And he, he felt like he finally got acknowledged. And then I think that invited his healthy self to come out. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think uh, that morning, we could do the repair work, you know, where the ruptures uh, happened in our relationship the previous night we could do the repair work and as you were sharing about these three parts it just got me thinking how that really makes sense in my experience just maybe a few two weeks ago or something or maybe last week I can't remember mm. yeah so so thank you for sharing with our listeners this way of looking at different parts of ourselves and how we can 
what would you say like what does IOPT say about how do we work with these different parts when they come out oh I think what is fascinating about the IOPT practice is that there is not a uh, there is not a set pathway for for everybody one thing that is quite important to say is that um, as very pragmatic Singaporeans, we might naturally assume that, okay, my healthy part is the best, huh? I want all my healthy parts. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want the trauma part and the survival part. Huh? That one uh, can cut off whatever. I, yes. I don't think that is the lesson that we mm. should be taking away here. Uh, but I think the invitation that I have for everyone is when you notice yourself in health, then maybe pay more attention to, wow, what is helping me be in this healthy state? Mm. Is it I give myself enough rest, good food that's nutritious, the time and space to be on my own, to exercise, uh, being in relationship with supportive people, whether they are friends, partners, family members. Uh, being to, in nature. Yeah, being in nature to recognize what, what fits you and what keeps you in your healthy state. And when you do notice yourself in your survival state, you can begin to notice what is triggering that, what is the stressful situation, or what is it about conflict that makes you go into your survival habits. And I think when you encounter yourself uh, in trauma, don't judge yourself, but rather this is especially the time where you need the most support, love, kindness, acceptance, and to just be willing to love this part of yourself even if you feel like the people around you cannot love it or understand it. Mm. Um, how would you describe your relationship between, um, I mean the relationship between your healthy self, your survival self, and the traumatized, traumatized. self, the three of them? I've been doing quite a lot of work with myself for a relatively extended period of time. And I think in the beginning when I started to work with other professionals on myself, I noticed that when I noticed my traumatized parts or my survival parts, I would be quite critical and quite unkind. And be like, Hey, why you like this? Don't you know better? Shouldn't you be more mature? And I think that was actually not very helpful. And after so many years of working with different professionals and modalities with myself, I am trying to practice more and more that when the that we can see that at any given moment, you are not just all of your healthy self or all of your traumatized self or all of your survival self, but it could be that different parts of you exist in the same moment. So when parts of yourself that you don't like so much comes out, then do you have enough health in yourself to be able to love and accept that? Mm. And I think the traumatized parts and the survival parts being held in loving acceptance helps them to feel acknowledged, helps them to feel safe. And then you can return quickly, I mean, although the goal is not to quickly return, but the healthy part can then begin to support yourself better. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like they are like constantly in a dialogue and mm. having the space to speak up. 
in and being witnessed by each other in loving kindness. Stay tuned to the next two episodes as we continue the conversation with Shi Hui.